Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear Nasal Spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean, not just rinse, your nose. Clear Nasal Spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. We're in the midst of a worldwide pandemic of the coronavirus, and it's truly been one of the most frightening times of our generation. The headlines and media are constantly announcing the day-to-day numbers of cases and deaths and, and the spread of this disease, increasing our level of anxiety, and the entire world is wondering if our lives will ever get any better. So these are scary, uncertain times, and it's easy for us to spiral out into overwhelming feelings of panic and hopelessness. But our next guest believes that there are many things we can do to manage our anxiety and fears. Today, we have Dr. Bruce Allen Kerr. He's a medical doctor who's the founder and president of Potomac Psychiatry and the best-selling author of Becoming Whole, a healing companion to ease emotional pain and find self-love. He is here to share his insights about the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on mental health. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Suzanne, so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You bet, you bet. You know, during this pandemic crisis, have you been seeing patients currently? uh, Maybe you're doing telemedicine, but are you seeing patients so that you can get a gist of what's going on with people right now? Uh, I am, and we we are. And uh, let me share with you the range of experiences that we're seeing with our uh, patients uh, at this time. Uh, you know, it's a tough time for everyone and really, really not a good time to be an extrovert. Uh, most everyone other than introverts are going through a period of uh, grieving right now. And what we're hearing about from our patients are things like, um, you know, their children crying almost every day because they can't play with their friends. Uh, Children who normally socialize well in daycare don't really want to have virtual Zoom daycare sessions. Uh, Recent college grads who are living at home want to get on with their lives but can't. Uh, Assisted living residents are ordered to be uh, shut in and can't uh, get out. And, you know, as many people have experienced directly, including a colleague I was just talking to who lost a loved one, Uh, All these rites of passage that we're accustomed to sharing together, births, bar and bat mitzvahs, christenings, birthdays, weddings, funerals, uh, were denied the opportunity uh, to be together. And uh, in some, this grieving turns into an episode of depression, uh, anxiety, or a panic, as you were alluding to earlier. 
So all the social isolation obviously has made a huge impact of, of people. Uh, I, I can feel that within our own family. And, you know, I'm here with my husband and my son is in Northern California where he lives uh, working himself. And it's been really hard on all of us. I'd love to go up and see him. Uh, but um, again, um, that means that I'm going to have to drive up there and, and uh, you know, possibly even expose him. I've been, I've been exposed a lot more because I'm a doctor myself. I've been exposed to most more people. So we're constantly in a fear of, you know, am I going to be okay? Am I going to exp- um, affect other people? And then on top of that, being at home and, and you're talking about extrovert and introvert. It's interesting. I'm finding that, um, at least in my practice, uh, the introverts are actually becoming more introverted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's a good uh, segue you provide into what uh, I wanted to share with uh, you and your audience, uh, because I know you're, uh, you and your audience are very uh, mindful of uh, health and wellness. And I thought if you think it's a good idea, I could share uh, how this uh, coronavirus actually uh, relates to uh, expression of certain genes in Mm. the brain and in the gut and how that's affecting people's mental health and then some things that people can do to mitigate what we call these epigenetic uh, effects. Would that be helpful? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You're talking about specific uh, genetic um, predispositions that we might have that when we're in certain types of um, fears or energetics regarding your emotional states and the environment that has an impact on the expression of those genes or even possibly turning off some of them. Well, let me describe to you four genes and how the coronavirus is affecting expression of these four different genes. So three of these genes are what we call orchid genes, and one is called a brain fertilizer gene. So let me explain what I mean by each of those. Pretty much all of us are familiar with orchids, and orchids are these exquisitely beautiful flowers that only do well in the right ambient conditions. If we put an orchid in an arid place where it's too hot, where it doesn't have enough uh, nourishment or uh, hydration, the orchid withers. And there are three genes that are so-called orchid genes because people with these genotypes are very context-dependent. They're very heavily influenced emotionally by the context around them. So what are these genes? These genes are called SLC6A4, COMT, and OXTR. And let me explain to you how these genes in the context of coronavirus affect our mental health. So right now, we have two main types of stress caused by this coronavirus. We call it learned helplessness and social defeat stress. This is where We have repeated emotionally distressing events like reading the news or hearing about friends who get ill. And the social defeat stress is where we feel bullied. And this virus is both an emotionally evocative uh, virus as well as a kind of bully in a way. 
And so when we have this kind of prolonged stress, which is causing learned helplessness and social defeat stress, our bodies go into what's called allostatic overload. And by that, I mean that our adrenal glands put out cortisol and adrenaline for far too much and far too long, which then affects our brain and our gut health. And it affects anyone's brain health and gut health. But with people with these orchid genes, it affects them all the more. Because what happens is, for example, with this SLC6A4 gene, when we have this coronavirus stress, the amygdala, the emotional center of the brain, releases too much serotonin, and people with this genotype of the SLC6A4 aren't able to take the serotonin back into their neurons. This then drives more of that adrenal overload, that allostatic overload. The COMP gene, the COMT gene, breaks down dopamine in the frontal lobe. Well, at these times of very high stress, we release far too much dopamine in the frontal lobe, and people with this COMP variant are unable to break down the dopamine fast enough. Again, that drives more of this fight, flight, or freeze adrenal response. And then finally, I'll get into the OXTR gene, which is the third orchid gene. This relates to oxytocin release and binding in the brain. So oxytocin is a hormone that is our bliss-inducing hormone. It's at very high levels in mothers holding their infants. And people who have a certain variant of this OXTR gene at a time of emotional distress really need to be around other people and connect emotionally with other people and yet are being denied that during this time of crisis. So those are three genes right off the bat that are deeply affected by this, uh, this coronavirus crisis. Oh, well, that's fantastic to hear. You know, knowing about these three genes, though, um, how do each one of us, and I mean, I'm very familiar with genetic testing. How do you in your office take a look at those three genes of your patients? We take a look at those three genes and then one more BDNF that I'll describe a little later through a genetic test provided by a company called uh, Genomind. They have uh, a test called the Professional PGX Test. And we've been using their tests for the last seven years in about 2,000 patients. And the test provides really uh, invaluable information around what genotype does each person have and then how do we modify or modulate their mental health based upon what we find with the genetic test. And I'm going to add one more uh, gene to the discussion, which is maybe in a way the most important gene of all, it's called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So this gene makes a protein that nourishes and protects our brain cells and their synaptic connections, and it protects those brain cells from inflammation and oxidative stress. And there are certain people who have a BDNF genetic variant tested by this Genomine test that are far more vulnerable to lower BDNF levels in the brain at times of stress like this coronavirus. So here are four examples of genes that we can test for and then find solutions for based upon what the test shows us. That's fantastic. Great to hear about these four genes because uh, what's, what's you're t saying is that uh, depending on the individual, 
and what their genetic variants are, uh, you can alter them by whether it's lifestyle changes, possibly supplementation. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that that's what you're going to tell us about each one, what we can do to enhance those, those genetic expressions or um, in some case actually downplay, dereg, down, downregulate. For instance, if there's a, a COMT and you've got too much of that dopamine and you're not able to break it down quick enough, obviously you want, we want to dampen that so you don't go into that state of anxiety, panic, um, and feeling of that fight-flight state. Yeah, so let me give you some examples of some supplemental and lifestyle interventions that can uh, better regulate the expression of these genes. So if we take two of the ORCID genes, COMT and SOC6A4, that overactivate that fight, flight, or freeze, one way to address that is through a supplement called NAC, N-acetylcysteine. So NAC, N-acetylcysteine, goes into the body and it gets converted to glutathione, which is a neurotransmitter that has two very powerful effects. One is glutathione is the most powerful antioxidant in the brain to protect brain cells and synapses from oxidative stress. And the second is that glutathione downregulates a bad neurotransmitter called glutamate, what we call an excitotoxic neurotransmitter that's implicated in depression and anxiety. So with NAC in the range of you know, roughly 2,400 to 3,000 milligrams a day, we downregulate that overactivity of that HPA, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. We downregulate that fight, flight, or freeze effect. The other supplement that has been shown to be helpful uh, with that is called ashwagandha which um, you know, could be taken uh, in the range of, say, 500 milligrams a day. Again, down-regulating the effects of these genes, down-regulating amygdala overactivity in that HPA axis. And then when we get to BDNF, that arguably you know, one of the most important genes to protect the brain, there's several ways to boost BDNF in the brain. The fastest way would be roughly 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular exercise. That definitely drives up BDNF levels. Another way is high-dose omega-3. You're on the order of, say, 900 milligrams a day of uh, DHA and 1,200 milligrams a day of EPA. That boosts BDNF levels. And finally, um, micro-dose lithium. I'm talking about one-thousandth of the dose that we use clinically to treat a mood disorder. 300 micrograms a day of lithium boosts BDNF. So these are just some ways along with things that you're all too familiar with, you know, eating more vegetables, staying away from simple carbs, trying to take in more carotenoids, which are anti-inflammatories, curcumin, good anti-inflammatory. Those are things that I'm certain you discuss with your audience at times. 
You know, what's fantastic is that, doctor, uh, you're a medical uh, psychiatrist, but you have opened your practice up to utilizing different forms of natural uh, remedies, natural formulations to help your patients um, improve in their genetics and obviously their outcome and in their in their mood and um, psych- psychiatric behaviors. That's fantastic. What I love about the fact is that you also implemented lithium. Um, in my practice, I use what's called lithium orotate in the same way. Um, to help ease the anxiety. And I find that it really kind of takes the edge off on on um, your nervous system. Um, and it even improves in your sense of well-being. You feel calmer, more relaxed. Um, and I, I use microdosages, uh, probably a, a lot less than uh, what you use. Uh, but even with that, um, you said it's milligrams, right? That you use 300 milligrams per day? Micrograms. Oh, micrograms. 1, Thank you. There you of go. A milligram. Um, yes, and that the makes other sense. Thing, Suzanne, the other thing, Suzanne, I really want to bring up because I know uh, you care uh, about this and, and uh, your listeners do as well. The effects of this allostatic overload, this prolonged fight, flight, or freeze, also translate into dysbiosis and inflammation in the gut. And we know that uh, the gut and the microbiome are the second brain. We know, you know, uh, many, many millions of neurotransmitters are manufactured down there and and, uh, transferred up into the brain. And we know that when there is dysbiosis in the gut and that leaky gut syndrome develops, we also begin to develop leakage between the blood and the brain called the blood-brain barrier, and then we get brain inflammation. So a healthy diet, more of a plant-based diet, also helps reduce the likelihood of developing that inflammation in the gut that comes from this prolonged stress, and it helps reduce the likelihood of brain inflammation. Oh, perfect. Love talking about that uh, gut-brain connection because, you know, I'm also very familiar with, uh, as you are, this term psychobiotics, specific uh, probiotics that will enhance and shift the um, psychology or the mood of that individual. Uh, these are probiotics that you can get naturally from fermented foods. Um, and, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of research for my book, The Kimchi Diet, and there was one study, you mentioned about glutathione, um, and there was a study that uh, came out from um, out of South Korea regarding kimchi and how it enhanced glutathione levels in the brain. It was actually enhanced within the mitochondria of the brain, and um, they were correlating that with possibly utilizing kimchi and the the bacteria in kimchi, the lactic acid bacteria, to prevent Alzheimer's disease. Well, you know, you make a really, really great point there, and I'm glad you brought it up, the mitochondria in the brain cells. So... The mitochondria produce energy for the brain cells. And this tiny brain of ours, which is 3% of our body's mass, actually has to produce 25% of the total energy production in the body to power itself. And this brain inflammation that can come from this chronic stress and this uh, gut imbalance actually weakens the mitochondria energy production and it starts to damage the mitochondrial DNA and the envelope, the uh, protective envelope uh, around the mitochondria itself. And so uh, with the diet you're mentioning in your book, if that then has uh, produces more glutathione 
It has antioxidants effects that uh, protect the mitochondria in the brain so the brain cells can produce more energy. It all uh, works in a very positive cycle for brain health. Mm. No, no kidding. Of course, that too. I know that, you know, BDNF, there's that term, uh, brain-derived neurotrophic factors, is very um, well-known in the field of Alzheimer's and, and dementia. And uh, by improving, obviously, the blood flow, um, and I find that, at least in my practice, I deal with a lot of toxicity, toxins from environmental toxins, pollution, heavy metal toxicity, um, from mold, uh, even viral infections. I'm sure um, corona has something to do with it, too. All of these these, um, external factors um, have an effect penetrating through the the, uh, blood-brain barrier and having effect on the mitochondria and causing mitochondrial dysfunction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a vast, magnificent ecosystem. And uh, to the extent that we can positively affect this mental health ecosystem, as we're talking about today, it brings about better brain health. And to your point, in terms of preventing and warding off uh, dementia of the Alzheimer's type, there are many studies that show that uh, regular exercise, uh, a plant-based diet, higher levels of omega-3, higher levels of glutathione, all help protect the brain and help prevent Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, that's ex- we need to do that. And, and, you know, the stress, what I understand is that the stress that we deal with day-to-day, and especially during this crisis, is that it has a huge impact on our hippocampus, part of our brain uh, that's important for memory. Is that correct? It is. And guess what? Those very same factors that boost BDNF production boost hippocampal volume, actually grow new cells. The hippocampus is capable of, of creating and growing about 900 new cells a day. And so that uh, exercise, omega-3, microdose lithium, all of those help hippocampal growth. Oh, 900 new cells a day. I love to hear that. That's fantastic. Even though, even if as you're aging, you're going into the 60s and 70s, that's still the rate that you can, you can create? There's, there's tremendous plasticity in the brain, even in uh, old age. God, that's fantastic. Uh, if we uh, also think about the cells that are there, to your earlier point, if we protect them with a healthy diet and with uh, glutathione, And if we protect those cells and synapses with uh, exercise, we also help ward off dementia. Mm. I utilize uh, liposomal glutathione in my practice to increase the level of glutathione. I find also is a natural and it helps with viral infections. Um, What is the type of glutathione you use in your practice? Do you use IV drips or direct or directly orally oral intake of glutathione? We, we do what's called uh, the precursor loading strategy. What do I mean by that? The precursor to glutathione is N-acetylcysteine. Mm-hmm. So we give a high quality NAC, you know, for example, Solgar uh, has been around for 70 years or so. They make a, a pharmaceutical grade, a 600 milligram NAC. So uh, the, the N-acetylcysteine gets ingested and that gets converted to the glutathione. Uh, it's what's called a precursor loading strategy. Mm, great. Um, of those three orchid genes you mentioned, can we talk about how to enhance the OXTR, the oxytocin gene? Wow. 
you know, that's a really tough question right now because it depends on your genotype. Uh, if you have the GG variant, if you're homozygous for uh, G allele with oxytocin, you really crave that social interaction. You really do better under stress by being able to connect emotionally with others. So in today's world, you know, what do we have? We have basically uh, Zoom or FaceTime, right? So that's better than nothing. You know, frequent Zoom calls with friends, family, old college roommates you haven't connected with in a long time, childhood friends, that can all help. The challenge, though, is that, you know, our brains evolved to pick up on so many social cues when we're actually with people, right? We're social beings. We want to be with others. It's not quite the same when they're in uh, the Zoom experience. For those with an A allele or two A alleles on the OXTR, we can actually give uh, intranasal oxytocin. There are sterile compounding pharmacies that can create uh, where you, you squirt the oxytocin actually into the nose and it goes up through the cribriform plate into the brain. So that's another way of, of getting that experience if you have the A allele. Mm. Um, is there anything else we can do, at least at home, for the, you know, I mean, I'm someone that uh, really believes in um, having an animal, a pet in your, yes. in your household. That unconditional love <laughs> can really yes. help. No question. That's right. Um, you know, I know a little bit about my, my genetics when it comes to the OXTR and, and uh, you know, when it comes to the... Um, I think I just have single variants on various ones. I don't have that double um, homozygous on it. But, um, you know, I've, I, in my practice, I look at, I take a, the, although, you know, 23andMe, it's not the best choice, but I take the raw data and I can take it through the software and get a look at all of what's going on. Well, the one thing I'll say about these, Genomine has uh, two different genetic tests. One is more, I'd say, um, prescription pharmacologic oriented, and the more uh, the other is more supplement and lifestyle oriented. But you know, uh, every single gene uh, assayed by the uh, Genomine assays is actionable. That's the thing I really like about their tests. That uh, you never get uh, a genetic uh, variant analyze without it being actionable to either upregulate or downregulate it to your earlier point toward better mental health. Mm. And this Genomind uh, has got to be done through a medical doctor and it's a salivary testing? So it's a uh, cheek swab. So in today's world, uh, now that we're uh, all uh, operating remotely, uh, they do have a way for us to uh, have the kit shipped directly to the patient's home. So we have a national consulting practice around genetic testing, and we do it remotely using a Zoom telehealth HIPAA compliant platform. We get the test shipped to their home. They swab their cheek. It's got a self-addressed uh, envelope in it uh, that goes back to the company that analyzes the test, and then we get uh, sent the test online into our electronic medical record, and we review it with the patient either the patient alone, or sometimes we'll work with their practitioner, someone like you, to analyze the test in a kind of second opinion way and give some ideas about how to help. Mm. I mean, this really goes into precision medicine, doesn't it, then? We are going into the details of genetics that we've never known until recently. 
It does. And uh, I would also add that there are a number of really good tests today around the microbiome, looking at intestinal permeability uh, problems, uh, blood uh, brain barrier permeability problems, uh, IgG-mediated food allergies. So there are lots of tests that also can help us heal that gut while we're healing the brain. Mm. It, it sounds to me at Potomac Psychiatry, you really integrate all different uh, forms of methodologies and um, when it comes to even natural and um, more holistic functional medicine, as well as possibly if you have to have the medications, then that's something that you might also implement. We do, and we have enormous respect for people like you uh, who are our functional medicine colleagues. And look, we have 32 trillion cells in our body, and we have 100 trillion microbes in our gut, and they all uh, exist in an ecosystem. And we really need to address the health of uh, those 132 trillion cells to promote mental health. Mm, thank you. You know, um, it's your website is Potomac Psychiatry, but you've also written a book. Before we're done, we just have a couple more minutes. I'd just like to ask you a question about your book, Becoming sure. Whole, A Healing Companion to Ease Emotional Pain and Find Self-Love. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people on talk about uh, loving self, and, and I always like to get the description of what your description is of what self-love is. Um, often people are actually, they don't know. They don't know what that means. And what does it take to feel self-love? Well, uh, gee, that's a, that's a really good question and a challenging question. I think, you know, uh, many of us have lived through uh, traumatic childhoods uh, that have left us with, uh, you know, deeper feelings of shame and guilt. And uh, one of the things I did in the book um, was a nine-year project, and I had 30 people help me, so I can't really claim entire authorship. But uh, the book has a, a series of workbooks uh, in uh, each chapter, and each chapter is actually a session with a fictionalized patient uh, in a uh, dialogue with the patient. So uh, it illustrates the process of how do you begin to examine and explore yourself and your childhood? And there are various workbooks that help you elicit the causes of shame and guilt and the contributors to a lack of self-love and help you solve those problems through the workbooks. Mm, that sounds amazing because what you're doing is it's, it's not just a book. It, you're actually being proactive and uh, working through working through, like, doing um, actual work within yourself um, intrapersonally. Yes, and uh, it's available on Amazon, and if you like the Kindle version, it's only 99 cents, so it's very affordable. Fantastic. All right, the book is called Becoming Whole, A Healing Companion to Ease Emotional Pain and Find Self-Love. Uh, PotomacPsychiatry.com is his website, Dr. Bruce Allen Care. Com, I mean, Dr. Bruce Allen Care, MD, at PotomacPsychiatry.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Care. I so appreciate all your time and your information. It's been fantastic speaking with you. Thanks, Suzanne. Keep up the good work. 
Thank you. You too now. Oh, God, great information. I know that if you've been listening to this show, you've learned a great deal, a great deal of information, what you can do, and a lot of great supplements that you can start taking so that you can start feeling better today. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't already so we can continue to do our very best here on Wellness for Life. And if you need help uh, in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. And my contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.